Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. A new CDC study shows an unexpected jump in unexplainable deaths among infants, with black infants the most affected. Also, the CDC found that in the first year of the pandemic, the rate of SIDS, or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, rose by 15%. SIDS is a parent's worst nightmare, often coming with no warning. It's the sudden, unexplainable death of a child under a year old. Though the causes of SIDS are not completely understood, there are ways for parents to be proactive. Nancy Maruyama is the executive director of Sudden Infant Death Services of Illinois. And Carrie Stewart is a certified nurse midwife at the University of Illinois Hospital and Health Services and founder of Melanated Midwives. Nancy, I'll start with you. Uh, you, you lost your own son to SIDS, which is just unimaginable. I'm so sorry to hear that. Can you share a little bit of that experience with us and talk about how that inspired your current work with SIDS of Illinois? Sure. So I am a registered nurse. <clears throat> I was working at the University of Illinois at that time as the U of I Medical Center um, as a uh, uh, medical surgical nurse. Okay. And um, our first son, Brendan, was born June 1st, 1985. And I had a three-month leave, and it was fabulous, and he was exclusively breastfed. And we found a babysitter and uh, dropped him off. Five weeks after I started working, on a Friday morning, I got a call. At 10 a.m., I dropped him at 7. At 10 a.m., I got a call that he was not breathing, um, raced to the hospital to find that, um, you know, I was put in the room. And the Mm -hmm. rest of my husband came and the family came, and they worked on him for probably three hours, although I'm certain he was dead upon arrival, um, but oh. usually they don't stop working. They will do everything they can to, you know, try to, try to revive the baby. And um, unfortunately, Brendan, he was 140 days old when he died. <clears throat> and of course, he was the light of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have two subsequent children, um, two daughters that were born after him, Caitlin and Jennifer, and just recently had our first grandchild, a little boy, Logan. Um, but this experience, um, it, this is not what I would have chosen to do at a nursing school working with bereaved families. Right. It kind of just, you know, I kind of came into it kicking and screaming. But um, I started as volunteer peer support in 1986, and in 2000 they um, hired me to be the executive director. And we're a very small organization, but we cover the entire state of Illinois. I see. And so, um, yeah, this has kind of been my mission in life, my passion. Yeah, well, uh, for those listening, give us the common causes of SIDS. This is currently, you know, we don't know how to predict it or prevent it. However, we do know that babies who are placed in an unsafe sleep environment, like in bed sharing or on a sofa or an armchair or anything that is not a crib, a portable play yard, or a bassinet, are at risk for SIDS or accidental suffocation and strangulation, um, which they call SUID now, sudden unexpected infant death. It covers SIDS accidental suffocation and strangulation in bed, and then we have undetermined. So if they do the autopsy and the case review and uh, death scene investigation and they cannot figure out why this baby died, that's when they'll roll it a SIDS. If they have a cause of death, then they will put SUID, and then they will often put, you know, unsafe sleep environment or on the death certificate to kind of identify what they believe happened. Yeah. Carrie, this is a good place to bring you in. As, As a midwife, tell us your experience with SIDS. 
You know, oftentimes um, moms will come and visit us after the incident has has happened, okay. looking for resources to speak to someone about their experience. Um, they also may be experiencing if they were breastfed babies, their lactation, their milk is still happening and it's still coming through. And when you say they come to speak to someone about the experience is this is this in a counseling form and is that what they're looking for looking for counseling resources looking okay. for therapy looking for how to cope with just the loss sudden loss of their child you know they um the whirlwind that comes with becoming a parent and then losing a child it's very devastating are there identifiable factors that could contribute to a higher risk of SIDS? Well, and as um, she stated, you know, you want to make sure patients and moms and families have access to the right resources. So placing babies um, in, you know, cribs and designated areas that they feel safe and making sure that there's not too many blankets, too many, you know, stuffed animals or things in the bed that could cause the suffocation on the, or the uh, asphyxiation of the baby. Yeah. Nancy, as you mentioned, there's SIDS, SIDS, and there's also SUID, um, sudden unexpected infant death. Break it down a little bit more for us and, and so that we understand the difference here. So basically, like all SIDS deaths fall under the SUID heading because it's a sudden unexplained infant death. But just a general heading of SUID, that could mean it's a metabolic disorder that could cause the baby's death could be accidental suffocation and strangulation in bed. It could be a neglect or homicide. It could be drugs or poison. It could be overheating. It could be uh, a natural death. Maybe it was a car accident or an unidentified um, cardiac anomaly at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so those all have actually a cause. SIDS at this point, that we do not have an actual cause for the, for the SIDS death, but for steward we do have a cause. You know, we know that the baby died suddenly and unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. and it could have been because they were placed as newborns on their tummy, and they're, you know, they can't, they're just, it's not, they need to be on their backs to to breathe better. They can't roll over, yeah. Right. So when it comes to sewage, sudden unexpected infant death, the CDC found in 2020 that the rate of sewage among black babies was nearly three times the rate of white infants. First, Nancy, your initial reaction to that stat well, we have seen this, you know, for years that it has always been the non-Hispanic black babies were at a significantly higher risk and had a higher infant mortality rate than the non-Hispanic white babies. So there was a time in the early 2000s, like like 2003, 4, 5, that it was actually almost four times more likely for a non-Hispanic black baby to die than a non-Hispanic white baby to die. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's, you know, there could be many reasons, but I think just from my experience and, and all the people I've met throughout the years, is the structural racism, you know, and, and the disparities that go along with that, the racial disparities, I think has a huge, you know, is a huge causative or, or has a part of the causative factor because some of those families, they don't have access. Like, I mean, I had access to really good, you know, good prenatal care. I mm-hmm. had good, you know, I had everything that I needed. Um, and not everybody has that. And, you know, so, you know, we... SIDS of Illinois, we try to fill in some of the gaps that we can, of course, with education, but we also have a, um, it's called Project Safe Sleep, and it's a crib distribution program for families who are struggling in Illinois, you know, who they're like, usually like Medicaid eligible, they're, you know, underserved, undocumented, things like that, to provide, help them, I mean, it's only one answer, it's not the only answer to the problem, there are many, many problems, but that's one thing that SIDS of Illinois is doing to try to 
help with this crisis. Yeah. Your initial reaction, Carrie, when you heard that stat, that black babies are, are dying at nearly three times the rate. You know, quite upsetting, but not surprised, just because of the work that I am in um, and the deaths that are also attributed to black maternal health, you know, that kind of correlates, unfortunately. And as Nancy stated, it is the structural racism. It is the lack of resources and access that black and brown moms and babies um, do not have. And so, you know, it's a wonderful program that Illinois has to help carry through that first year so that babies have proper sleeping opportunities. Yeah. And so and that the fact that we also need more resources as education, as she said, during prenatal care, are we speaking to our moms about how to properly care for our children, how to properly place them in the bed, making sure that they actually have a designated area to put the crib that mo- other children aren't sleeping together and they assume that it's okay because their other children are sleeping together. Mm. They can put all the children together. So, you know, it starts with education. It starts doing that prenatal um stage of care. Yeah. And we can definitely change these numbers if we educate and provide resources that those individuals yeah. need. I, yeah. You, you talked about structural racism, you know, contributing to this disparity for the black community. I'm curious, though, more about what you, you said there. You talked about the connection between black maternal mortality, right? right, right. And these SIDS deaths. Right. Tell us more. You know, What we have found and in the research that we're doing now, patients are really stating that they just do not feel comfortable in the healthcare system, you know, um, the way they're treated, the way they're spoken to. And so, one, they may not even seek prenatal care till late. And when they are getting into prenatal care, then it's kind of as a provider to rush to catch them up on things. And if we're catching them up on blood work and ultrasounds and making sure they're good, you know, that prenatal care, talking about postpartum, what to expect, almost goes out the door Mm. because we're focusing on other things because we feel like we need to rush those other things. And so what we have to realize is we need to start at the beginning, you know, provide um, resources and diversify the workforce allowing patients to understand what we do, bringing them in earlier, Mm -hmm. getting them comfortable, speaking to them as if they're humans, um, and letting them know that this is a safe place to be cared for by them and their baby. Yeah. Nancy, the study, it's just a sliver of what is out there to be learned about SIDS. Briefly, what else do we still not understand about this? Well, I think we need to bring the, the consumers to the table. I think that, you know, it's not just like our organization brainstorming and how can we do this, we bring people from the community in to say, what, you know, how can we help you and tell us, teach us what we need to do to be able to reach out effectively, to be culturally appropriate and to, you know, and make all of our information accessible. How can we help you? Because it doesn't, it doesn't help so much if it's just a bunch of us sitting around a table who are not of the community saying, we could do this, we could do this, we could talk mm-hmm. all we want about that. If we don't have people from the community to tell us, you are, you're on track or you are not on track, and here's yeah. what, you know, you know, I think that's where we will see. The, and it, this is not just an Illinois thing. I mean, this is internationally. You know, I, I attend conferences all over, and this is not just strictly in Illinois. Mm-hmm except it's a big problem in our state, um, we are 31 out of 50 for infant mortality. So Mississippi is 50, the worst, and wow. we're only 31. So for infant mortality, that's from 2019, you know, we are not in yeah, a good place. It's still, you know. still, still not a good number. Right. Um, as Nancy talks there about getting, you know, people from the community at the table, I want to hear more about your group, Melanated yes. Midwives. 
Yes, and it's community-based organizations like myself and others in Illinois and Chicago that are really um, getting parents and communities to the table to ask them. We don't want to assume um, their needs. We have to ask, and they will let us know what they need and how, you know, like Nancy said, how should we be culturally appropriate Mm -hmm. providing the resources that they need? And we have to ask, but not only ask, but listen and provide. So if I'm a new mother coming to you, what's the advice that you give me on things to look out for? When it comes to SIDS? Well, you definitely want to make sure you have a, a great setup for when you get home with the baby. You know, we we assume that patients already know when they get home what to do with the baby. And we don't. They don't. We, we, we have There's no, no book. book. There's no book. There's no <laughs> There's book. There's no book. So we're all learning as we go. And so we want to make sure that we, you know, preference that this is something new. You will have trials and tribulations, but here are things that I want you to look for. Where is baby sleeping? Where is baby eating? Where are you sleeping? Um, What is the environment like? Is anyone smoking in the house? Do you feel safe in the home? You have to really engage with Mm. them to find out what their needs are and how we can fill those gaps. So final question for both of you. Where can folks go to to learn more about SIDS and SUID and uh, preventative steps uh, particularly for families of color. You first, Carrie. Specifically, you definitely want to ask your healthcare provider. If you're seeing a midwife and ob you know, those are the questions that we ask patients to really make sure that they ask, um, you know, what are the things that I should be um, considering during postpartum? What should I expect? You know, um, definitely engaging with the pediatrician as well, because that will be the, the baby's doctor questions, things to look out for. Um, We want to make sure we're educating our patients, not right after, but right before, so they're properly prepared. Nancy, some final resources from you? I absolutely agree with Carrie. And um, SIDS of Illinois, our um, website is SIDSIllinois, all spelled out, .org. And um, our number is 630-541-3901. And we provide education. We we just try to help everybody at their level. You know, we have a very diverse um, education. You know, my educators are all very diverse. And so we reach out to families. And I think one of the things that we've been working on is working with hospital staff, medical providers, because we all have to be on the same page and we all have to be giving the same information because it's very confusing to parents if one staff member comes in and says, yeah, you know what, all my kids, they slept on their belly and they were just fine. That's not okay. You know, we're going to follow the lead from the AAP. It's not Nancy's rules, it's not SIDS of Illinois rules. We have to follow the AAP, American Academy of Pediatrics, recommendations. So yeah. it starts at that level, but we need, as Carrie said, we need to get to these families prior, like right when they find out they're pregnant, like let's have that conversation. Right away. Parents know they have to have a car seat to bring the baby home, but how many times do people ask them in the hospital, where will your baby sleep when mm-hmm. you get home? Mm-hmm. Do you have a plan? So and then, important. Right, and now the baby's home, and they're like, oh my goodness, I what didn't is- think of this, and... Of course, it feels snugly to bring your baby to bed, but we yeah. know that it's not the safest thing. So, yes, if, if people reach out to, you know, us at SIDS of Illinois, we yeah. have printed materials, we have, That's we great. have lots of resources, and, um, and we also have the bereavement services. So. Nancy Mariama is the executive director of Sudden Infant Death Services of Illinois, and Carrie Stewart, certified nurse midwife at the University of Illinois Hospital and Health Services. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Michael Liptrot and edited by Stephanie Kim and Meha Ahmed. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Let's talk again soon.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.